It's the B-List Daily on the new 105.5 Sports, live from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios here in Auburn. My name is Aaron Morse, filling in for Maddie B on this Wednesday morning. Happy to have on the phone the managing editor of Bruins Daily, Tim Rosenthal. And Tim, a week ago when we talked to you, the Bruins were absolutely on fire. And, well, since then they've lost two in a row, including 7-4 to four last night at Columbus. Your thoughts on the recent uh, little skit here? It's just two games, though. Yeah, it's just two games, I guess. But I guess around here, the sky is falling. You know, <laughs> all the sports radio people are going to go nuts sure. over this a little bit. They're going to blame Tukarask and um, all, all sorts of things. And one thing they can actually point to that's fair is all the defensive mistakes they've had over the last two games. Eleven goals, that's kind of uncharacteristic with this club um, in a two-game span. So they got to clean that up. They got don't have an easy game against the Winnipeg Jets Thursday night. Then they come back home and face the same Columbus team uh, Saturday before going back on the road again. But uh, the one thing that did stand down a little bit is they still don't know how to quit. You know, they, they were down 5-1 yesterday. They could have mailed it in, uh, and deservingly so, with all the injuries. But at the same time, they bowed back, made a game, and then – just ran out of gas at the end there, but uh, you gotta respect this Bruins team for not wanting, uh, for not quitting at all, and um, showing some guts over. Even against Pittsburgh, they had a chance to tie in the last minute. They were within one um, with the late goal there before uh, before the empty netter. So, you know, um, they showed that during their streak, their resiliency, and they're still showing that now. And um, that could come in handy come playoff time, you know. Tim, the 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 defensive mistakes that you mentioned, you know, I I think people keep forgetting. I know you don't, but uh, neither do I. But, you know, Miller and Grizzlick were out last night, and Miller's been out for a while. And I don't care. Once you get down to your seventh and eighth defenseman, (laughs) you're going to expect they're not going to play quite as well as your top six are going to play. Yeah, well, even before that, I mean, you've got John Moore coming into the lineup. He hasn't been as bad. I think yesterday, though, it was just a little uh, bad luck on everything. Uh, not so much bad luck, but their uh, loose coverage in the slot. Uh, and you're seeing that from guys, uh, from veterans. You saw Tory Krug was uh, on the ice for the first four goals against in the um, against Blue Jackets last night. You saw even Chara make a couple of mistakes. He saw McAvoy. I don't think he was – he showed some guts in that fight. I don't think he was as sharp in the defensive end yesterday as well. I don't think anyone was for that matter. And then you had Stephen Camper come in to line up for his first game since December. He certainly looked rusty there. I think um, the Bruins are going to call someone up from uh, Providence. It looks like Connor Clifton. He's been – and he's been lining up down there a little bit. He came up earlier this season um, and did fairly well when all the um, when all the injuries to the blue line hit all at once. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a remedy for that necessarily. I just know that so far there's good news on the Grizzly front that uh, we don't know. I don't know how serious it's going to be, but the initial X-rays were negative, so that's a positive. So his arm's not broken. Yep. And with Miller, I don't know where that came from. I mean, uh, we thought originally he was just suffering from fluid. It looks like there was something more to that um, upper body injury, I believe. So, yeah, it's a tough stretch for the Bruins right now on the back end. And then up front, you got Jake DeBruskin 
David Pasternak and are your two uh, prolific goal scorers, and then you got Marcus Johansson, your trade deadline acquisition. So, uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So definitely they're uh, buying through some injuries. I don't think it's still as bad as what they went through earlier this season. They have been battle tested. I will give them that, but they're going to have to navigate through some rough waters again before they get everyone back. Tim, I wrote an I read an article about um, this happening before. One of the last times they've had one of these streaks where they go all those games without um, making sure they get a point in those games. Um, I read an article about them peaking too early <laughs> and worried about whether or not they can get it back. And that's exactly what I said. What are you talking about? You know, they've got guys out. They've got five of their top players out. Uh, and I thought, because I thought Johansson came in and made a difference for that line, and it was one of the things that they really needed. Since then, he did. He's had to shuffle all the lines around, and uh, and and again, Pasternak's a top scorer. Um, so you get those guys in DeBrusque back. I love the way DeBrusque plays with Krejci. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be a different team. But I, I don't know. Are you? What are you thinking about this peaking too early? Well, let's just put it this way. They're destined for a first-round matchup with the Maple Leafs. I don't think um, – I still think they've got to be the favorites in that series. But at the same time, every year it seems like we have these articles. Are the Bruins peaking too early? Are they getting hot at the right time? Question – I don't think there's an answer to that right now. The answer is going to be how they perform in the playoffs before we really start overanalyzing things here. So – <laughs> yeah, the uh I mean I I do understand what what people think about those kind of things cuz I do know that teams can you know really hit their their peak and then drop off a little bit and I will have to say the things that we saw these last two games and I understand there are five key guys out uh are those you know kind of lazy mistakes. They they gave Columbus three almost breakaways uh in that first period with a sloppy pass, it was intercepted, yeah. something that somebody tried to chip over somebody else and it didn't get over. You know, I, those are the kind of mistakes that I don't care who's playing goal or who's playing defense. Those are tough. Those are tough to overcome. Oh, absolutely. And the other mistake we're talking about, it's that power play. Well, in the first, they had brief five-on-three, had a chance or two there, and then all of a sudden five-on-four, you try to force the play, and then you go back the other way. Columbus has that little breakaway attempt. Jenner's there on the rebound to clean it up, and now you've got a two-goal game. That's a back-breaking yeah. goal there. So it, uh, not only – and defensively, there's still – I know we talked about the turnovers here, but defensively, you looked at Jenner's second goal, I believe, where he walked right into the slot. Yeah, Tory Krug and Brandon Carlo both standing uh, behind the slot there uh, with the carrier behind the net, and no one's t- uh, no one's protecting the from the net. And when that happens, that's going to be an easy walk-in, and that was Tuka's fourth goal given up, I believe. And from there, they were just hanging him out to dry. So, yeah, maybe Rask could have done uh, a little better, especially on the second goal as well. Uh, I believe it banked off the back of the skate, but the Bruins didn't exactly do themselves any favors by protecting him in front either, and they left him out to dry. So, My, my sense on, on ice hockey teams, uh, but especially the Bruins, uh, very seldom, unless the goalie lets in two soft ones, 
very seldom do you say, oh, well, that guy or the defense or the forwards. It's hard to point to one thing. Usually, at least for the Bruins, all the time I've been watching them, either they're really firing on all cylinders and everybody's playing well, and they might make a mistake here and there, but you can't say, oh, it's this. Or they just don't play well. And they played so poorly in the first period last night. It's a wonder they were even close. I mean, like you say, it shows they have no quit whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I turned it off, Tim. I said 5-1, to one, they're getting blowed out, as yeah. Magic Johnson used to say, blowed out. But, uh, hey, they came back. Yeah, you got to give them credit, you know. And, um, I like I said, I think that's going to come in handy come playoff time because they've been battle-tested all year. We talked about the injuries all season long. They're going through it now. We talked about just how they've come from behind. And, yes, I know the teams they were facing over that stretch, maybe they um, – and I took it for granted a little bit because those teams like the Panthers and the Senators are thinking about their golf plans in, <clears throat> excuse me, um, in, it comes April. But you got to get those victories. That any right. win you can get is fine by me. And any way you can um, make things competitive is also fine by me. So I think they've been doing a good job in those departments. And like we said, they could have easily uh, mailed it in yesterday, and they did. No, I, and again, I think that's been the mark of them. I would like to make sure somehow that they continue where they are and finish ahead of Toronto mm-hmm. so that they have the, the advantage in, in, in home ice. I, I, I think, you know, Toronto's got a potentially an un- offensive juggernaut that they've done a pretty good job against. Uh, but again, you'd like to make sure that the deciding game, if there was one, is at your place. Oh, absolutely. Even given Toronto has a pretty good road team, 21-9 and 4 this year, away from the Air Canada Center. I wonder why. Maybe they just like to get away from the environment with all the media hounding them up there. But, but yeah, I do think Bruins are a good home team as well, one of the better home teams in the league. And you got to think home ice would favor them, even with Toronto's good road record there. See, we forget. We talk about the Yankees and Red Sox media. See, in ice hockey, it's the Canadians and Toronto's media. It's the same kind of thing. They are all over them. Mm -hmm. All over them. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) well, not only in Montreal do you have the English-speaking press, you have the French-speaking press to deal with. I think they could be twice as hard, if not uh, just... A, 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 a different atmosphere. They're a different. They're kind of in a different universe there. That French speaking media up there, but yeah, in Toronto, like we said, they're probably more. I know we talk about Red Sox, Yankees, but I think of every team in in all sports to have the most pressure. It's Toronto because not only do you have the media to deal with, you haven't won a cup in decades, so they have the longest gold. Uh, Stanley Cup drought there. I do think that's that weighs in a bit on them. Sure, no question. He is the managing editor of Bruins Daily, Tim Rosenthal. Follow him on Twitter at underscore Tim Rosenthal. You can also follow Bruins Daily on Twitter at Bruins Daily. Tim, we really appreciate you hopping on the B list as usual to update us on all things Boston Bruins. Really appreciate it. Thanks, yeah, Tim. Thank you guys so much. And like I said, you never know where I'm going to be calling you from. <laughs> that's right. Hey, I think the subway, that's our top one so far. <laughs> <laughs> Every Wednesday, Tim Rosenthal here on the B list. Thanks again. Take care. Thanks, Bells.